Good evening, Patriots, and tonight is July 9th, Sunday, at the end of a great week. Hope you all had a great weekend. Had a really awesome day, actually, So I got to go to a young man's baptismal, and they did it over in the Umpqua River. So it was really, it's kind of just really throwback to like John the Baptist and Jesus, literally like right there in the, in the middle of the river. Very awesome. Very cool. Hey, Patriots, before we get going tonight, um, one thing we absolutely all need is a good night's sleep. And there is no better place to get a good night's sleep than my pillow. And of course, if you don't know or should know, absolutely should already have, but need to get more of my pillow 2.0, let's have Mike tell us all about it. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The MyPillow guy. And you're looking good. Still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever, MyPillow 2.0. When I invented MyPillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. MyPillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature-regulating thread. MyPillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of MyPillow. The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a MyPillow or not, you need to get the brand new MyPillow 2.0. Call or go to MyPillow.com now. Use your promo code, and for a limited time when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Visit MyPillow.com. Yeah, we we can uh, definitely use MyPillow's. We're going to need a lot of my pillows if, as we roll forward here with these kids. They're all going to need a my pillow. I'll tell you right now. So, just to kind of start there tonight, um, this baptismal today was just really good. This young man, friend of our family's, and um, he doesn't have a father, but today he met his father. And very powerful event. He has great grandparents, and a great mother. Just and just an amazing family. Great his. Um, uncle, which is another great family has come together and just, and, and he's just been doing fantastic. And, um, today was just very special. It was his own, been about a year and he just decided that he wanted to fully accept Christ in the Trinity, our father, the Holy Spirit and his son. And, um, he did so with testimony with a lot of people around. He had his Scout leader was there. His principal of his school was there. This is a Christian school, Christian scout leader. Tells you, I mean, it just kind of sets the values, especially in this community. Um, his teacher was there, also from the Christian school. His mother, his grandparents, uh, we were there as friends of the family. Other friends of the family came. So he had quite a witness set there. It was really awesome. And just to really see... A young man like that, I think he's um, 13, 11 or 13 years old, and he just he's just stepping into that place. And I, I the message that I was really pleased with, the pastor, his name is Jeff, and he is the church, he's the pastor of the church my parents go to. And I, it was just a good reminder in his, what he presented today, which is he's looked at everybody, and he, and this, we're all on the bank of the river. And what his comment was, and it's a reminder of what we used to be like and what we need to revive. And there are four people today that were baptized. 
And his comment was that, you know, you're, as these young men accept Christ, as the community, we are witness to them. And as they walk through life, it's also our responsibility that if they deviate from the path of giving their life to Christ, we need to remind them of that, that they've stepped off. We lack that in our current day to such a degree. And it's a lot of why we've arrived at where we are. It's because of the sense that we no longer really have accountability in our culture. The stories I have from my grandfather, my great-grandfather, that was a different world. And a world where there was accountability and people were held accountable for their actions. The town that I'm in now, where I grew up, there was accountability for your actions. But we've lost that piece, and I don't know really where it got derailed other than I think today we have such this idea that kids are not our responsibility. And it's such a tragic event because it's children need to kind of be left alone to grow as they will. We kind of have to understand that they're very smart and they, we have to handle them differently. And we don't really give the parenting model of the 21st century is ex- leading exactly to where we are today, which is a train wreck. Children need a firm hand, need a guidance, need loving, but they also need to have structure. And that's probably the most important thing that we, we've taken away. And with structure comes accountability. There's a piece that I listened to today from a woman in UK. And in fact, I'm, as I talk here, I'm going to see if I can bring it up. Uh, it is, it's a very humbling piece because it's a reminder of really the challenge that we have ahead of us. It's not going to be easy. And it's not going to be easy because of the trap that these parents have put themselves in that have modified their children, and they know it. But if they admit to themselves that they were wrong, then they have to admit to themselves that they've really conducted effectively a crime against humanity, which is in itself so unbelievably tragic. And yet this is now the world we're in. And I I don't know that I'm going to be able to find it. I'm kind of just flipping through here. And if I can, I'll bring it up as I go. But anyway, it's a tragic statement to what we've arrived at is that parents have committed such a crime in that sense that have allowed or encouraged their children to be converted. And because of that, they will defend it. Here, I just did find it. I'm going to play it. Here we go. Hang on. Here we go. Take a listen to this. There's a lot of people who can't move on on this um, because that's the people who've transitioned their own children. So those people are going to be like, you know, the Japanese soldiers who were on Pacific Islands and didn't know the war was over. Right. They've got to fight forever. This is why this is another reason why this is the worst, worst, worst social contagion that we'll ever have experienced. A lot of people have done the worst thing that you could do, which is to harm their children irrevocably because of it. Those people will have to believe that they did the right thing for the rest of their lives, for their own sanity and for their own self-respect. So they'll still be fighting. And each one of those people destroys entire organizations and entire friendship groups. Like I've lost count of the number of times that somebody has said to me of a specific organization that has got turned upside down on this. Oh, the deputy director has a trans child or, you know, oh, the journalist on that paper who does special investigations has a trans child or whatever. The entire organization gets paralyzed by that one person. And it may not even be widely known at the organization that they have a trans child, but it will come out 
like people will have sort of said it quietly and now you can't talk truth in front of that person and you know you can't because what you're saying is you as a parent have done a truly like human rights abuse yes. level of awful thing to your child that cannot be fixed there are specific individuals who are really actively against women's rights here and it's not known why they are but i happen to know through the back channels that it's because they've trans their child and so those people will do anything for the entire rest of their lives to destroy me and people like me because people like me are a standing reproach to them i don't want to be i'm not talking directly to them i don't spend my time bitching about them but the fact is that just simply by saying we will never accept natal males in women's spaces well, it's their son that we're talking about. And they've told their son that he can get himself sterilized and destroy his, his um, sexual function and women will accept him as a woman. And if we don't, there's no way back for them and their child. They've sold their child a bill of goods that they can't deliver on. And I'm the one who has to be bullied to try to force me to deliver on it. So, that, so those people are going to be the people who will keep this bloody movement going, I'm sorry to say, because they've everything to lose. And there is so much truth to that. This is where really when we think about kind of the principles of what we're tasked to do, which is spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, heal the sick, cast out demons, and raise the dead and greater works. There really is a lot of need here for prayer into these people and prayer for these people. I'm, I'm not going to make a judgment on it. I mean, I, I do have an open judgment on it. It was wrong, and it's sick, and it's a crime against humanity. But that said, as I watch this young man today who is a great example of something of every what every child wants to be, loving grandparents, a loving mother, a loving uncle, friends, family around him, it's tragic that the value of, ch of children is not where it is should be. In fact, it's broken. I mean, we spend more time. I, I sent a video out to somebody today and it was about saving this dog. And okay, so I, I think it's a wonderful story. Great. You, you found a dog that was left. It had mange. They took it in. They washed it. They nurtured it. The dog came back, turned out to be a great little puppy, and he grew up to be a great dog. And, you know, the people who watch it, it's tear jerking and so forth. That's wonderful. I'm not telling you it's not a great thing. But knowing how many children are being trafficked and are currently going through pain and suffering, it turns my stomach. Because we put more emphasis on repairing a dog than we do to repairing God's greatest gift. And so today when you're sitting here watching a young man, but then there's also three others with him that are accepting Christ, what a wonderful day, truly. And the conversations were fantastic because really the service, which I didn't go to this morning, my parents were telling me about it, was all focused on children. The film Sound of Freedom has shaken the tree. I saw a testimony today of somebody who was very frustrated, and his comment was, I thought we were already awake from Balenciaga, which happened last January. Um, and so I hear that. But I also recognize that the coma that people are living in is deep, and it's going to take a lot of shaking to wake people up. Now, this last week for me has been an, an unbelievable week. 
A week ago this last Thursday was when God put the commission before me, as you well know, and I brought it here. We talked about it last Sunday. We're going to talk a little bit about it tonight because it's moving unbelievably fast. And it's it's wonderful to see the spark ignite. The film has opened a door and what we're now calling, what God has now named Operation Vineyard has now given the spark to many. And I can tell you by the responses that are coming in, people are energized. So I want to just really encourage people here in this moment to take some time and to really pray in to where God wants you to be. And that's not just a simple thing because this is really a big, there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of things we're going to be involved in. And I'm looking at just so many lines of effort here going forward that it's going to take, it's going to take an army to accomplish them. And that's literally why we're all being awakened and called. I can tell you that the outpouring just in my own county of listeners and people that have heard about what I've talked about or God had me put on my heart to talk about has been unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. And it's exciting because it's showing that we're at a really critical juncture in this nation where people are willing to put aside the ridiculousness of politics and realize the simplicity truly of the message that Jesus put to us, which was John fourteen six. Jesus said to him, I am the only way to God and the real truth and the real life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That is essentially at the core of all of this. And with that, we have to remember the priority in which Jesus put on the little ones. No harm was to be given to the little ones. That whole framework should be driving everything we do. And no matter what your commitment is to Father, you will never go wrong by putting priority on the little ones. And that's really where we aim to be here in this greater mission is everybody fits in. I ran into somebody today at the baptismal that, I probably will meet with later this week. And it was just really, the, the comment was, it was really encouraging. So the comment was, you said there's a place for everyone. And I said, yes, there is. And she expressed to me, she said, well, my, I'm an artist and my calling is to heal through art. Now that's an interesting theme that's come up this week because three people I know have stepped into the, into that arena to say this is what God's called me to do, which tells me there's probably something bigger there that is going to be shown here pretty quick. But we really are seeing some tremendous awakening and people's opening their hearts and wanting to do the right thing, which is to step in. And it's a fight that we know that we can take on. It's a fight we know that the enemy will literally want to stop. And so with that said, there's a lot of necessity right now to make sure that as we each prepare the bigger steps that we take are well considered. We are going to continue to build and encourage that build out of that three pillared strategy within every county, a communication cell, an intelligence cell, and a, a safe havens for the kids. The, some of the challenges that lie ahead here, and I'm working on them quickly, and God's leading that, and I'm talking to people, but they're important things, is how do we bring the kids in to these safe havens legally? I mean, that's you don't want to be accused of kidnapping or something, right? Because the enemy is going to strike out viciously. 
they are they are going to come out hard, but we have to have our faith in God and be listening to Him in every step that we we walk. So, this reminds me of Nehemiah four fifteen to twenty. Now, when our enemies heard that we knew about their plot against us, and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each one to his work. From that day on, half of my servants carried on the work while the other half held the spears, shields, bows, and breastplates. And the captains were behind the whole house of Judah. Those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that every one worked with one hand and held a weapon with the other. Every builder had his sword secured to his side as he built. And the one who sounded the trumpet to summon the troops stood at my side. I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, The work is great and extensive, and we are separated on the wall, far from one another. Whenever you hear the sound of a trumpet, gather to us there. Our God will fight for us. There's a lot of similarities in that passage to where we are as Bar's Nation. We are separated far from one another. But we have to also be listening to one one another and to be responding and to come to each other's aid when need be. This is a time now when we take this fellowship and we put it truly with traction and boots on the ground. And it's just really struck me this week and this weekend just how important that's going to be. And it's simultaneously how biblical a time in which we live. We are dealing with a dark, dark evil. An evil that is so wretchedly dark that the film Sound of Silence, or Sound of Freedom, I'm sorry, Sound of Freedom, only just scratches the surface into the horrors of what really lives out there. What's interesting to me is as you look into this, you'll find that most of the work that's being done is always being done outside of our borders. This is just like the missionary work I talk about, which drives me nuts because it's fashionable and it's, it's easy to raise money to do a mission to Mexico, to Brazil, to Africa, especially Africa, or to Asia. But we don't hear of the missions being done here in this nation. And yet, we need missions here more than anywhere else in the world. I ran into two guys last fall when I was down at Glad Tidings in Yuba City. And what struck me is it was following the men's camp last year. And what struck me is that they had just finished a wonderful month or so doing a mission And where they had done the mission was inner city Chicago. They got into the dark gang areas and they literally went there and brought Jesus into those darkest areas. That's mission work, in my opinion. What we're talking about here with Operation Vineyard is mission work on our soil. And for that matter, mission work on any soil where you live not trying to export it across the world. 
I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I'm telling you the priorities are off at this point in time. What goes around in our communities right now is the most important place to awaken the Holy Spirit. And while it's fashionable, it it looks great on a resume, it gives people personal experience on a lot of levels to travel abroad. I'm not against that, but I am I get highly frustrated with it when we have so many people in need and so many broken souls here in our backyard. And when we layer that with child sex trafficking, it's a horror show. Yeah, I've talked about this before, and, and I and I will tell you, I have a God's put on my heart, and we're going to talk a lot about this particular county, some Douglas County where I live. And I'm just going to say it now because it's on my heart. I'm going to encourage people through the year to move here, to move to Douglas County, to start a business, to take up residence, and to help make this a stronghold. It needs to be said, because what we need are stronghold counties. And if it's not this county, it needs to be other counties where we start to consolidate as much as we can, those that are willing and able to relocate to come to strong counties. God's put on my heart to make this a strong county. I'm going to do it. In addition to all the other things we're talking about, nothing will be neglected. But this county is something I is passionate because we have a a story here that's amazing if we make it work. There's cartels in the South County right now. There's Russian mobs running in and around. There's a gypsy gang that runs up and down the... the, uh, the I-5 corridor. There's one of the highest areas of child sex trafficking goes right through the middle of my county on I-5. We have Satanists. We have, it's a whole mix of garbage. And we have amazing people. People that are solid in their love of God. And though we have a mix of conservative and liberals, when you talk about children, that stuff falls away pretty quick because there's a passion to rescue, heal, and restore God's kids, God's children. And that's truly where we have to be working hard to find these strongholds and not go too thin. Small Victories is going to be a critical part of this whole mission forward. And when I sat there today on the shores of the, or the banks of the river and I'm watching four young men accept Christ, that's small victories, big ones. But I also know that as we have churches that will bring them to Jesus, we have to have the capacity to take people much farther. Unfortunately, that's, there isn't as much of that out there as there should be. And in order to deal with this child's problem, we are literally going to have to confront the realities of the need to have people well-skilled in the areas of deliverance, healing, healing with prayer, raising the dead and doing greater works than he. And that's just a raw reality of the type of enemy that we face. And it is a vicious enemy. We're reminded of that in Matthew 12, 43 to 45. Now when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, it roams through waterless, dry, arid places in search of rest but it does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it arrives, it finds the place unoccupied, swept, and put in order. 
Then it goes and it brings in seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and make their home there. And the last condition that man becomes worse than the first, so that it will also be with this wicked generation. Casting out demons is one thing, but it can't be done from the outside. We have to do it through a process of accepting Jesus in our heart, for he is the way. And it's there that we have to embrace again that our healing has to be well understood, the tools and techniques that we're using. We're not doing witchcraft. We're not doing black magic or white magic. Prayers and what we say, the words have the power of life and death are absolutely critical. And when we start dealing with children, it's a massive responsibility, nothing to take lightly. And that means that there has to be an enormous amount of consideration as to what a person can handle and where that refreshment and regeneration of their own spirit will be. It's one thing to talk about working with children, but it's also another to realize that the the stories that will be shared the healing that has to be done will take us into their world that they have been in. And those are dark and heavy. For a child to heal, they're going to have to have the trust and ability to let off some of that burden, not just to God, but be able to speak it clearly. So if you have to endure stories of rape and abuse and beatings and torture, that will in itself be a heavy burden to carry. So as you think about your place in this, and as we all think about what this is, and this has to be ultimately, and this is why God's had me place this whole vision out here, is this isn't just me. This is God, Jesus, me as the conduit to where he wants us to go. But it's us honoring that and working now in communication to share thoughts and ideas so that we can raise up the body of Christ. Who's going to be as a a rhetorical question, but an important one to reflect on. Who is going to be the healer of the healers? Who's going to be the person that is there doing deliverance work for those doing deliverance with children? And how are you going to, how are we going to work rotations to make sure that one person doesn't become so overburdened that suddenly their exhaustion opens up a window for darkness to settle in and then becomes a bigger problem for a child than a healer itself. It's not difficult for, for demons to find their way in or darkness to settle into a heart that's tired and exhausted and worn down with the pain of stories. And if we're not careful, that can quickly turn dark in itself. These are all just cautions not to hold back anybody's passion, but to give time right now in this window as we're shaping this and doing it right. God's been very clear with me, and I express it to you here tonight, that We need to all be, all that are called need to be working forward now with the resources that we each have. Praying into him, trusting in him, and following that path. And that means being faithful, but also being trustful that he will provide what we need. I'm not getting involved in some of this discussion around the outside edges of the sound of freedom. The film is anointed, as far as I'm concerned. It's bringing a message that is truly shaking people's hearts and touching them deeply. It's beautifully done. Jim Caviezel does an amazing job. I don't know much about Tim Ballard, and I'm not going to get in any discussions about that because there's plenty of that garbage going around. 
What I do find interesting is that all of this negativity towards Tim Ballard has suddenly erupted at the same time the film is having a success. I don't know. And so I just would caution you before you make judgments. I've seen a lot of stuff on our own Telegram channel about the, who Tim Ballard is or isn't or the questions about him. I don't know. But the one thing that I do notice, and it's very important, is where people are zeroing in on is the money that he's, he's raised. My, to my understanding, Glenn Beck raised about $30 million for Operation Underground Railroad. And I've heard many commentaries about, well, where's the accountability for that money? Things that we're talking about here take lots of money to run, especially if you're running overseas operations. And so I'm not make again, I'm not getting into the judgment space of that. What I can tell you is that and a promise that I'll make is we're not doing any fundraising right now at all for Operation Vineyard. So if somebody pops up and says so, and it, make sure and, and raise the question of whether that was agreed upon. And I, and I mean this carefully because, I mean, I had a talk, a wonderful talk today with somebody who is going to be committing 16 acres. They're selling their house. They're moving in to build a child sanctuary. And we talked about the fundraising, and he's written some really good stuff already, visionary, and on how to do aspects of this, which I'm going to incorporate into this. And we, and I say that just because I want to make sure that my comments, I mean, these are comments that I'm holding to in a position where God's put me. Is that, and he and I talked about this today as well, is in, in an agreement that we need to be very careful how we move forward on raising money because it needs to be at the time when that happens, there has to be a balance between the resources that a person needs, the resources that a bigger, a top-level organization needs, and the flow down, meaning where, where is that money going? And it needs to know you need, we need to have targets and specific objectives. We're dealing with something like Bards Fest, and that money's flowing in, and that money's flowing right out to pay for speakers, to pay for event venues, to pay for food. And it ends up being like this last one, it was a net zero, meaning it was absolutely what came in and what went out was net zero. Everything was paid for. It was amazing. I think out of my own pocket, I probably put in about five or $6,000, which was fine. But it all was net zero at the end. This type of organization that we're talking about, which will have multiple pieces and it's moving across the nation and the world will have multiple resources in need. Much of that we need to each be praying into. How that total organizational structure works right now, I don't have an answer yet. It's getting close, which isn't bad after a week. But again, we have to be good stewards of the visions that God gives us. And we also have to have, this is an opportunity for God to remake his church. And I don't say that lightly. There's a lot of desire to partner with people. I'm cautioning you. I'm going to put up a major red flag on that one right now. Follow your heart. Listen to Father. Work diligently to build out a place for you in this model. It's important. God didn't give the commission to us to immediately look for people to solve the problem for us. He gave the commission to Bard's Nation because he knows the heart of the people here. And I take that very seriously. And when I today I look at this young man and I'm seeing him and I'm thinking to myself, every child needs to have that love and every child needs to have that opportunity. I realize 
as also I'm hearing the input from people saying, I want to be part of this and I have this to offer or that to offer. And there's been amazing things that have happened this week that will slowly build out on this. We need to understand that God is already showing us the way and that resources are starting to build and there will be amazing opportunities ahead. Everyone has a place here. And that was something that, I, as I refreshed earlier, stated earlier, when I was asked that today, and the answer is yes, everyone has a place and a role and something to do. And this is a massive amount of effort. This is really a philosophy where build it and they will come. But I just want you to reflect on this for a moment because as frustrated as we have been over the last few years of seeing how the church has performed in COVID, Notice that God is putting a commission to the one group of people that have assembled with one common theme. Almost everybody in Bar's nation has at one point or another, or still is, walked away from a dead stone temple church. And why would that be? And I prayed on that. And I mean, I should say that's part of my conversation with God. And it seems pretty clear that he understands that the heart of the church is within his children and us. And that's what is really happening here. If you look at this, is this is the reawakening of the true church where the church is within us. So hold that as a real wonderful place and just be humbled by the fact that Father has actually put this out here. There have been just all week long confirmations and just amazing things that have happened that have shown me that everything that was put before me was by God's hand confirmations to, to continue that forward and things that we will continue to see grow here in a big way. And it's an amazing project to be part of for all of us as we step into it to know that where we are going is on a, a vision, on a pathway that's beyond our vision. All I know is the, is the tasking right now reminds me in a certain way like when Joseph was filling the silos, we're being asked to prepare. We're being asked to set up these, these organizations in every county, not just in the United States, but in provinces and other areas around the world. And those are based on the three principal pillars of communication, human terrain mapping or intelligence, and safe houses. And then there's the extra parts of that, which are the the responsibilities that each one of us has to learn. And there's a lot of things to learn. But I truly get the sense that there is a shed water coming, a breaking of a dam, so to speak. That The need for this is going to become urgent in the not-too-distant horizon. We can see the awakening of people as they start to look around and realize that the world isn't what they thought it was, just that little bit from Sound of Freedom. And it's amazing to me how disruptive in the matrix that film has become. That's truly the Holy Spirit. Our efforts now as we move forward are to continue that momentum, but now taking what that momentum has and turning it into tangible action as we prepare to really do something about it for the children. And each one of us has an action item. There's been, over this last 
year or two, we have frustrations to surface and people ask questions like, well, what can I do? And, and I, I will tell you some of those things, I, I always reflect on those questions. Like we're not doing enough. All there is is words. All there is is talk. Another thing that I was going through this weekend, because that's a question I ask myself every day. Am I doing enough? And can I do more? And I put that to God. I spent, before the show, I spent about 45 minutes with Hannah, my assistant, just working off this week's schedule. And it's increasingly starting to look like <laughs> one solid color of a mix of colors of scheduled events. And I'm okay with that because that means that there's no wasted time. And as long as every single thing there in one way or another is directed towards Father, I'm good. These are the sorts of steps we're all going to have to decide on. And life does change, even for myself. And I get comments from you all that are very humbling to talk about the journey you've walked with me on in my own journey with Father. And it has been immense, and it has been transformational, and it has been unbelievable at times where it's gone. We've been walking that together. And as far as we have come over the last four years, imagine how far we will go in the next. And especially when we start giving a tasking that's as grand as this. There, for every reason around, if we were thinking in the world of men, we would say that this is not possible. But we know we're not dealing in the world of men. We're dealing in the world of kingdom. We have with us Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and we have Father God who's commissioned us to do just this. So as a normal part of my questions, I asked myself over the weekend, okay, so what happens if we build all this and nothing happens? And we don't need these spaces. And that's a funny statement to ask, but I did put it before Father. And the question was put back to me. Who's asking the question? Are you asking it from yourself? Or is it coming from somewhere else that you're bringing it to me to try to deceive you? So again, it's about trust. Because a lot of this right now, if you think about where we are, we're all making a leap of faith powerful one. If you listen to the news, you listen to Rolling Stone magazine, The Guardian, a few others, the, Wall the Washington Post, all of these Luciferian rags, you're going to hear them denounce the film, try to tell you this isn't an issue. We have not even gotten into the most heated part of the attack that will come. The enemy's not playing on this. And so in this time of pause, in this time of preparation, it's very important that each one of us spends time inventorying ourselves through repentance, getting ourselves strong and healed, dealing with these issues that may open up a spot for the enemy. And if you find a weakness, then make sure you're working hard to overcome it, to heal it, and to seal the armor. The enemy will use what it can against you and against us. And that means also we have to be prepared that we may be carrying something like the weight of the cross. But we have to hold our ground no matter what. When you look around the world and you read the headlines from a different perspective, 
You hear that China's preparing for war. They're calling for more of that. You're hearing China starting to pull back on its rare earth minerals. Russia has said that it will go to nuclear war if, if, things continue, if the NATO continues to push into Ukraine. All of these buttons are getting pushed. If we're sitting here comfortably with Father, we know that none of that's going to bother us because ultimately that's their world, we're in ours. But what we have to also look at is in the entire eye of the world, the centerpiece of this evil, the most wretched part of this evil that all these other things are trying to distract us from, which is the trafficking, exploitation, destruction, mutilation, torture, rape. I could go on a list of adjectives of children. The greatest consumer and creator of that problem is here, right here. And not one organization that currently is trying to work with children issues at the traffic, at child sex trafficking is working within our borders, at least not many, and nothing of notable effort. So you start to see truly what we're faced with. And it should inspire each one of us, knowing truly that we are in an amazing time. Matthew eleven twelve. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent assault, and violent men seize it by force as a precious prize. I've said many times, violence takes on many forms. But you have to understand violence in terms of intensity and passion against your enemy and target. We cannot waver in this mission. And what lies ahead is going to require a deep faith, deeper than all of us have right now. It will get deeper. An absolute resolve not to bow or bend. And through this, we will wield the mightiness of the sword of the kingdom to show the world truly what we are about. Romans 8, 19, for the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. And so here we are. We've talked about these things. We've, we've had these discussions over the last four years, and I find it remarkable that here we sit now at a point where truly we have the opportunity to reveal the sons of God with the mightiness of a commission that he's put before us, an acceptance of that and to walk boldly where few would dare tread, to truly have the courage and strength to stand up, to speak truth, to shed light on the problems within our communities, to build sanctuaries for children, to build education systems for children, to be part of a complete restoration, a healing and restoration of God's children. And in the process, we all become part of those three words. We all become part of rescue, heal, and restore. Three simple words. It's ultimately probably the entire story of the Bible in three words that only God could give. I take no claim to that. So in these times right now, as we are sitting with a lot of this intensity that's around us from the sound of freedom, and we are, there's an eagerness in many people's hearts. Don't let that eagerness falter. Don't let the flame dim. It's easy to have it happen. We get, you get stimulated by a film, and then a few days go by and nothing happens. 
and you get and people get frustrated and the reason that happens is because we've been so conditioned by this instant gratification culture this is not a sprint this is a campaign plan that makes a marathon look short and we're part of something massive that the the wheels of that have already begun and if you're feeling the pull and the draw then you're part of that wheel that's beginning to turn and the one thing about big wheels big powerful steel that massive wheels is as they turn they turn really slow in the beginning just like a windmill but as it gets to a certain point and the momentum picks up then they start to move faster and faster and faster and they're smooth all the way through it's a slow steady progression that's literally what we're starting to do here and those wheels have begun to move it's amazing so what I'd ask you is just to continue to pray into this every day spend some time and pray into the 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 ideas of operation vineyard find your station where you're called to be share that and we'll do a, we'll set up a place to share your thoughts at least to send emails so we can start consolidating that we're going to be creating that catalog of skills and people and locations so that we can start to assemble a vision of where we can start working together and how to make this thing come to truth and it will happen faster than than people may think because the passion is there the holy spirit's working all we have to do is trust in Father and keep the fire burning. And that's probably the most important thing. 1 Peter 4:17 For it is the time destined for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not respect or believe or obey the gospel of God? This is in a very certain sense, a threshing and a judgment. We're starting to see where the hearts are that find passion in this and understand the importance of the children. And it has to begin with us, each of us deciding where we sit in those topics. We have to face our own selves and any sort of inequities or burdens that we carry, we have to bring it before the throne. And we have to then understand that our position becomes so great because as we are stepping into this fight, part of our commission must be as well to enlighten people to the threat and reality of the horrors of trafficked children. Our goal is to rescue, heal, and restore the children. But the reach goes far greater than that. The echoes of this will affect a way an entire nation sees children, how it considers the family. And with this, there's going to be some very hard moments as we have to confront people in our community that may even be well-established. Maybe they're gay, maybe they're heterosexual and whatever, but they're dealing with things and doing things that are horrific. It may be within the pulpit of the church. But those are the sorts of things that one way or another, we are not going to clean this up unless our communities get reset. And so again, the importance of this path, of this commission begins local. Wherever your heart is in helping, put that in the balance of your prayers to Father. And take it to the throne. 
Ask him, where do you need me? Where do you want me to commit? And keep that focus local. We have to fix our communities. And each one, this is literally, the, in a sense, nations will be judged in our lifetime. And we have an opportunity now to affect that in a positive way. I truly believe that. And I think that's why God is putting it before us as a moment of choice of where we go and what we, what we prioritize and whom we serve and how we serve. And there can be nothing more important. Politics aside, it's noise. Economics aside, it's threats and noise. Because at the end of the day, the one thing they don't want us looking at, they don't want us pulling up that cover, they don't want us looking inside. They don't want us seeing what they're doing and what their plans are for the children. We are the only line of defense for those children. Many parents have failed these kids. And I can't imagine the burden that they will ultimately have to carry. And that's yet another part of healing. Because these parents, if they don't repent, I would hate to see what it's like sitting before the throne when God asks you, what did you do to my child? And they realize at that moment that everything they did was a lie. We have a lot of work to do and a lot of powerful and glorious work to do. So as frustrating as it is to see this dumb stuff going on and this retarded action, and for that matter, evil consuming kids, we have to raise that sort of the spirit. It has to begin mightily within our communities to call it out, to rebuke it, to make bring it to light and let people realize what they're actually supporting. And if they don't like it, too bad. If they attack us, then just remember, as we stand with God, no weapon forged against us will succeed. He knows what we're going to be facing. He also knows where our heart is. And with that point, there's only one way forward. Let's pray. Father, blessed are the children, and blessed is such an opportunity as we sit here today in reflection of the commission which was placed before us. A commission that truly allows us to step into this war, this fight, not just for reasons of saving a nation, but greater to rescue, heal, and restore the gift given to this world, which are the children. Pray tonight, Father, that the attachments and bondages that we feel hold us to the things like politics or party identification, racial divisions, sex, sex divisions, whatever that is, that they be cast aside, that we confront this truly as the children of the Most High, the sons and daughters of the Most High, clearly in our hearts where we go, and with the mightiness and boldness of kingdom within us. And so we pray for that, Father. We ask for the blessing of a mighty heart of the, of the power of kingdom to walk truly with the light of Jesus within us. And as we do so, let us be that presence in the room that causes people to shake within their heart. Let the Holy Spirit flow through us to start breaking down the strongholds of the enemy. Let us be the vanguards that wield the sword of the Spirit in a mighty way to crush the darkness that has wrapped around the people's thoughts and minds and corrupted their hearts. 
and let us be the true ones that point and awaken the heart of love for the children, the compassion for them. And wherever possible, Father, place those children in our path so that we can touch them, bless them, and heal them. For those who wield the greater sword of judgment in this, place those enemies in our path and let judgment fall. For those that walk the path of healing and restoration, place the children in the path to let them be restored and healed and loved. And as we grow this, Father, in a network that will span ultimately the globe, guide each heart to seek one another of common thought and mind, to weave together an amazing Operation Vineyard that is rooted so powerfully in the rock of faith, the love in Jesus, the love in you, and blessed by the Holy Spirit, that there will be no corruption of our hearts, but truly a pure sense of duty and service to the greater kingdom and to you. Guide us in these times, Father, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So much of the place that we need to be, each one of us, is very clear. Understanding what that the father of lies will take advantage of weaknesses and use temptations. Become aware of those within your own life. We look at a young man that has accepted Jesus today. His walk ahead is just beginning. What I know is what always happens. That he will become a target because that's what Satan does. And I know he'll be okay because he's got a great community around him. Surround yourself with good people, whether it's online or face-to-face. Know that this community here is also for that. And in so doing, iron sharpens iron, and we have to keep it that way. Because the enemy is not going to play here, nor will we. Be very clear about that. I don't say any of these things with hesitation or fear, only to map out what is true that stands before us. But we have the authorities. We have been given those authorities by Jesus. That we have the authorities over the, to step on snakes and scorpions and over all the dominion of enemies, doings, and plans. And we also have the tasking that we can do all that Jesus did in greater works than he. Those are the authorities that we have to continue to build into but they're built in our heart through the, a loving and forgiving heart, not one full of vengeance or hate. And that's the hardest part about this walk is those that are doing the evil to children truly do affect the heart in a dark way. So focus on the love. Make sure we build the networks of support we each need. Eyes forward, heart to God. Listen to what the Holy Spirit places before us and let Father guide each step. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
chasing mountains I can't climb. Holding out for heroes in the night. I find myself here in the dark. We learn to fight and learn who we are. But I am raised up to face the stars full of light. And we are one. Out of my mind, like the dark in the distance. Wild. We are wild. Standing at the edge of a great sea. Sometimes it takes all you got. To believe that you are whole here in the dark. We learn to fight when we fall apart, but we are raised up to face the stars. Endless light, and we are wild like a river, wild like the fire in your veins makes you shiver. And I, I chase the winter. We are.